don't you get homesick, said Catherine. I still live in the house where we brought up the kids. I enjoy the familiarity. Me too, said Margaret. Sarah shuddered. Nothing on earth would get me to come back to the UK. I don't know how you all put up with it. Me neither, said Anne. I live just round the corner from my son, said Louise. Though, to be truthful, I don't really see much of him. Dan and his wife seem to spend half the year jetting off to exotic places. But they really need me there, you see, to take care of the grandchildren for them whenever they're away. It's the grandchildren for me, too, said Catherine. My daughter wouldn't be able to manage without me. Or him indoors. I don't think Jonathan would want to leave Blighty. He'd miss the cricket. And anyhow, all that foreign food disagrees with him. He has a point. I couldn't live without my English tea, added Margaret. Ah, Margaret, said Anne with a wink. I don't miss England a bit, but I have to confess I occasionally pop over to Gibraltar to stock up on tea and marmite. I don't understand how you two can bear to live in some strange foreign land, said Catherine, with nothing familiar around you and no family nearby. Sarah interrupted. Well, I don't understand how you three can bear not to break the ties and start anew. Louise sighed. How can you leave your children and grandchildren? We have phones and Skype in Italy, you know, said Sarah. Just because there's wall-to-wall sunshine doesn't mean we're in a time warp. And my lot come and visit, Anne shrugged, which... Feels like a lot more fun all round. Change is the important thing, added Sarah. Perspective, not letting the familiar ties trap you like a fly in a cobweb. When the evening came to an end, Teresa rushed along Longacre towards the tube station, wishing she had had the foresight to bring an umbrella. The vertical sheets of rain burned her face and froze her hands. So much for the English summer. She was glad to get home. But the next morning, Teresa called in estate agents and put her house on the market. She liked the thought of change, blowing the dust away, but for the sake of the family, decided to stay put in London. When she wasn't working, she spent her breaks looking at websites displaying flats in Highgate. After work, she went round to see some of the places for sale. She was not impressed. In comparison to her well-worn but lovely quirky old house, Everywhere seemed characterless and anodyne. Everyone with a place to sell seemed to have cleared out their space, chucked out the carpets, sanded the floors, and painted the walls off-white. The pristine, sleek kitchens had not been designed by cooks, that was certain, and the bathrooms looked like operating theatres. Nothing had any personality. Teresa wanted to live somewhere in a lively area with a bit of heart, but all the flats she saw were more like dentists' waiting rooms than somewhere you'd like to curl up with a book on a rainy evening. When Teresa got home from the viewings, she was greeted by another accusatory phone call from Imogen. As you couldn't be bothered to come and babysit last night, might you be able to make it tomorrow instead? I've put the house on the market. There was a small silence down the line. How could...
about you, Mummy. All of our precious memories. It was at least eight years since Imogen had visited her here. That was how much she cared about her precious memories. Teresa decided not to respond. Another ominous pause. I do hope you haven't forgotten what I said about moving to Wimbledon, Mummy. It would be much easier for you if you didn't. We'd all prefer it, I mean. It would be better all round if you kept a decent bit of distance. Teresa braced herself, astonished to discover that it hurt just as much to be told this second time round. You're right, Imogen, of course. Teresa had no idea when, in the thirty-five years since she had given birth to Imogen, her daughter had become so high-handed. Was it Michael, she wondered, who had turned her into...